what regulators say is a, is a lack of immediate medical care, licensors decided that, that the proper step here was to revoke the license and to shut the facility down. Good Friday morning. I'm Sage Miller, and this is The Daily Buzz. If you don't already know, Utah is the place for the troubled teen industry. And despite a plethora of misconduct complaints, the robust business continues to thrive in Utah. But in a rare move, the state is shutting down a teen treatment center in Spanish Fork. Tribune investigative reporter Jessica Miller chats with editor Jeff Parrott about what pushed regulators to close the doors of Maple Lake Academy for good. Tribune investigative reporter Jessica Miller, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You report on some big news this week about Utah's teen treatment industry. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, the Office of Licensing, which is the state regulators, they're the ones who license facilities and you know allow them to, to stay in business. They announced this week that they were going to shut down a facility in Utah. It's called Maple Lake Academy. And um, they said that they wanted to uh, revoke the license for this facility because of two incidents. One in January, a girl um, licensor say died after she didn't receive proper medical care. And then just last month, there was another girl who was staying at Maple Lake Academy who got a concussion and the state regulators again say that she didn't receive immediate medical care. And so because of how similar these instances were in this, um, what regulators say is a, is a lack of immediate medical care, licensors decided that, that the proper step here was to revoke the license and to shut the facility down. So when will the facility be shut down and what happens to the, the kids that are already there? So this will take about 30 days if Maple Lake Academy doesn't appeal. It, it appears that they likely will appeal. And if that's the case, they might still be able to keep the kids that, that they have there now. They can't take new clients as that appeals pending. But if they don't, then the facility will have their license revoked in 30 days and those kids either will go home, um, you know, go back with their parents or uh, Maple Lake or their parents or whoever might find a different treatment center for them to go to instead. And you've reported that this is the first time the licensing agency has shut down a teen treatment center in about seven years or at least seven years. Why now? Well, I think the Office of Licensing would likely say that, um, you know, it's, it's the severity of the incident. Um, it, there hasn't been a resident who's died in a facility um, in quite some time uh, for a reason besides suicide. There was a suicide uh, a couple of years ago. But what we've seen in the last couple of years, there's been a reform to oversight in the teen treatment industry. And so there's more rules and regulations in place. And also um, what I've noticed as I've reported this over the years is there's really been a philosophical shift within the department, within the Office of Licensing. They are taking more of a watchdog role now where in previous years, they kind of viewed themselves more as um, technical assistance or partnering with the agency or working with, or working with the treatment center to make sure that they were successful and stayed open. And this is something you've dove pretty deep into and during the sent away podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that podcast and what you and your reporting partners found? Yeah. So sent away is our podcast from the Tribune, KUER, and ETM reports. And it is about this topic. It's about the teen treatment industry in Utah. And what we explored in the podcast is historically 
um, the state regulators were giving facilities, you know, chance after chance after chance, even when, you know, really disturbing allegations were coming out of these facilities, death or uh, accusations of sexual assault or mistreatment. And what we saw historically is that that they didn't, they never shut a place down. It was always about this partnering and always about making sure that the facilities can stay open. And so what we're seeing more recently has, as I mentioned, has been a real um, philosophical shift from, from historically what has happened in years past. To learn more about Utah's troubled teen industry, check out the investigative podcast Sent Away, the series featuring the Tribune's Jessica Miller in partnership with KUER and APM Reports is available wherever you stream your podcasts. Next, Jeff is back on the buzz, this time to talk about his reporting on how much campaign cash Senator Mitt Romney has and hasn't accepted from the National Rifles Association. If you've been on social media this week, you might be surprised by what Jeff has reported. After the Texas Elementary School mass shooting this week, a report from the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence circulated on social media that allegedly showed how much money the National Rifle Association had given to U.S. Senators. Utah's Mitt Romney, the Brady website alleged, had received the most campaign donations from the NRA with a total of around $13 million, millions more than his colleagues and around twice the cash of the next highest senator, the Brady Post said. That's a massive amount of money. So I started digging into Romney's Federal Election Commission filings. There, I found that Romney's 2018 Senate campaign had actually received $0 from the NRA's Political Action Committee. FEC filings did show that the NRA spent millions of dollars on Romney's presidential race 10 years ago. In 2012, Romney's presidential and related campaign committees, which received hundreds of millions of dollars in contributions from numerous donors, did receive $40,000 from the NRA in three separate deposits to two different funds. On July 27th of that year, according to the FEC, Romney for president received two $5,000 donations from the NRA's political action committee, while on the same day, Romney Victory Incorporated received $30,000 from the NRA. If you don't know, and I had to double check too, Victory funds allow donors to contribute larger amounts of money to a joint committee that will then divide up the cash between multiple organizations. But those millions had not been given directly to the campaign. They were spent mostly in what the FEC calls independent expenditures. These are things like TV and internet ad buys. Those ad buys, the FEC records show, went to media spots to support the Republican nominee, Mitt Romney, over incumbent Democrat, then President Barack Obama. You can read the full story at, that's right, sltrib.com. And that's it for today. If you like The Daily Buzz, you can support the podcast and the Salt Lake Tribune by subscribing to the newspaper. Right now, the Tribune has a Memorial Day discount. For $7.99, you can get access to all the Tribune's reporting for six months. Find out more at sltrib.com support. Today's episode was edited by me, Sage Miller, and as always, a big shout out to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicants for our groovy music. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back Monday to bring you the biggest local headlines of the day. 